Welcome back to the Relationship Road Trip, navigating the twists and turns of all the important relationships in your life. I'm Ben Azevedo, your backseat driver and forgetful friend. I'm Dr. Don Fernando Azevedo, clinical psychologist, executive coach, and voiceover artist, your navigator. And I'm Kim Azevedo, licensed marriage and family therapist and your mechanic? Yeah. We are still on Intelligence Road, drivers. Today's quote is by Glenn Campbell, who suffered Alzheimer's disease and recorded this song in 2013 while experiencing the symptoms of the disease. He died three years later in 2016. I'm still here, but yet I'm gone. I don't play guitar or sing my songs. They never defined who I am. The man that loves you till the end. You're the last person I will love. You're the last face I will recall. And best of all, I'm not going to miss you. Not going to miss you. That's very sad. It is. Cognition and intelligence are intertwined. And we were talking last time about how others can manipulate your belief in your own intelligence and cognition. Remember, we talked about propaganda and also gaslighting. So today we're going to talk about more internal factors that can affect your intelligence and cognition. We're going to talk about diseases like Alzheimer's and dementia which I know I'm already getting wrong. So what is the difference between dementia and Alzheimer's? So dementia is kind of a broad term. It's a group of symptoms associated with a decline in memory, reasoning, and other thinking skills. The stuff we've been talking about. Right. So there are a bunch of different types of dementia, which we'll get into. One of the most commonly diagnosed forms of dementia is Alzheimer's disease. It's somewhere between 60 and 80% of all cases diagnosed. This is differentiated from other dementias by the formation of amyloid plaques, which are aggregates of misfolded proteins that form in the spaces between nerve cells. I think yeah. it's kind of crazy that we can know that that's what causes it and mm -hmm. say a phrase like, aggregates of misfolded proteins, but we can't just refold the proteins properly and fix it. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's crazy that we know that, but we don't know how to un unmisfold the proteins. Well, I mean, that's true of a lot of diseases that we haven't cured yet. That's true. We know a lot about cancer except how right. to fix it. No, I mean, right. I get it. It's just science, man. It's interesting. I'm not a scientist. Yeah. So these amyloid plaques misfolded proteins develop in the areas of the brain concerned with memory, which is why you see that memory loss and confusion kind of come up really sharply with Alzheimer's disease. So that's Alzheimer's, which is a type of dementia. And you Correct. said there's a lot of types of dementia. What are some other types of dementia then? There's a long list here. The first one of is Jacob disease. So this is another misfolded protein, but it's a different protein. It's the prion protein. This one tends to develop very quickly once it starts. So the onset of the symptoms rapidly deteriorates into final stages of the disease. Another one of the dementias is Lewy body dementia. It's the third most common form. And the plaques and tangles are associated with a, another protein, the alpha-synuclein protein. 
So, so are, are getting... all of them various types of protein problems in the brain? All except for one. And I might make you guess which one that is. No, I won't do that. But you <laughs> are right. It's one of the ones so, we haven't talked about yet. Yeah. But you are right. These are all around how these proteins aren't folded correctly. So something goes wrong that instead of managing the proteins correctly, they go sideways. It's like um, folding a fitted sheet. Some brains are really good at it and other brains are not. Well, there you go. That's a good, that's a good one. The next one is frontotemporal dementia. And this can result from several other diseases not associated with cognitive decline. The most common of these frontotemporal dementias are brain disorders that are involved with the protein tau and another group of disorders involving the protein TDP43. I don't know what any of that means. So if you think about it, in all of the three that we've mentioned, four actually, including Alzheimer's, all of them have got some protein that's going wrong. It goes right for a long time in your life because these dementias don't start until most of the time, until you're in your 50s or older. And most of the dementias are 65 or older. There's only a few, and we'll talk about the ones that are a little bit younger. Although Alzheimer's has been detected in folks much younger now, in their 40s and, and 30s, but at the very, very, very earliest of stages. So all of these have to do with a protein that gets misfolded, is between the neurons, and essentially causes short-circuiting, right? Think about any other electrical... Yeah, we've talked before mechanically about how the brain works. That makes sense. Right. I mean... Listen, it makes sense as much as anything that I understand. There's little zappies and the thing got in between them and it blocked the zappy. Pretty much. And that, then you don't think the same. That's, yeah, that's like my it. takeaway. It's kind of like how with epilepsy, it's over zappy and then everything shuts down. That's right. My problem is I have too many zappies and I don't think <laughs> right. All the zappies. But it's the same problem. Different problem, same result. I don't know. I mean, yes, epilepsy has some memory loss associated with it, but this is targeting that. So there's not as much of the full body experience that you and I experience with epilepsy. And with epilepsy, the, the memory loss is generally short term right around the incident of the, the event and then the memory returns. As opposed to these where the proteins are being misformed and the memory deteriorates in a continuous direction. Um, yeah. Doesn't really work. So the next one of these is actually one that is not caused. Well, actually it is. <laughs> Again, <Flash. yeah. laughs> the protein is misformed, but it's caused by a defect on one of our genes and it's uh, chromosome number four. That's out of the 23 that we have that make us a, a human being. So interestingly enough, Huntington's disease defects the blueprint for a protein called Huntington. T-I-N. I am not sure. I went looking for why that particular difference, huh. but I, I couldn't mean, is it just it. an insane coincidence that the scientist that figured it out was named Huntington? Like I but said, I didn't Why wouldn't they it. just name the protein hunting? No, whatever. And the gene codes for the blueprint for that, how to build it, and it builds it incorrectly, resulting in Huntington's disease that has lots of other symptoms, one of which is dementia toward the end. Then there's posterior cortical atrophy. Whoa. This is one, one of the ones that actually happens earlier. Ages 50 to 65 is the onset of these. It also has amyloid plaques and neurofibrillary tangles. So all of that is similar to Alzheimer's. It's just in a different location of the brain. So Alzheimer's sets in in the areas of the brain where memory is associated. So that's like in the, the amygdala, the center part of the brain. This particular one happens in the posterior cortical 
atrophy. So it's toward the back of your brain. Everybody's um, touching the, the back of their head now. Where the uh, <laughs> the vision area is. So it's just Isn't in the back like of your head. Does it cause vision dent. issues as well? Hallucinations actually are one of the one of the symptoms. And then there's Parkinson's disease dementia. So Parkinson's disease is another brain disease. The dementia, though, may occur about a year or more after the Parkinson's disease has been diagnosed. So Parkinson's generally starts in the motor cortex, which is up in the top of your brain. And so it, it's associated with trembling, shakes, that kind of thing. Yeah. Difficulty in balance and walking, all of those kinds of deals. But then it spreads. And as it spreads into the cortex, it's associated with dementia. This is all around a protein, alpha synuclein. Then there's vascular dementia. So this one is not associated with any proteins. It's generally associated with a major stroke. So someone has a, a large blood vessel that blows in the brain mm. and you have dementia. You can't remember things, word finding problems, all kinds of other things happen with that. Aphasia. Kind of Aphasia. That's right. I know that one. And that's can, a side effect of strokes often. Yes, that's correct. Can you get aphasia independently of a stroke? Yes. Okay. Head injuries. Oh yeah. From another head injury. That's the, but aphasia itself is not a disease. It is a symptom caused by brain injury. Or brain malformation. So yeah. aphasia is also seen in young children. Um, okay. We're getting way complicated here. So in vascular dementia, major stroke, big blood vessel, boom, all the way there very quick. Or it can happen after the accumulation of many transient ischemic attacks. This is where smaller blood vessels blow out in the brain and they take out little bits. And eventually that accumulates and can become an issue with uh, dementia. So think about it. If you've ever, this is going to sound a little gross, vomited really hard, like you had a really intense one. And you might have had some blood vessels break on your face because your blood pressure went up so high. No, neither of you have been that. That's I haven't good. done that, that but I've had, I've had blood vessels break on my face before. So you see two little tiny red lines. Now imagine if that happens in your brain. And imagine no, if that you. happens multiple times in your brain. That seems bad. Yeah, it is bad because it can take out sections. So that's vascular dementia. And then there's Korsakoff syndrome. This one is caused by a severe deficiency of thiamine, which is vitamin B1. Uh, vitamin B1 is a part of what helps your brain burn energy, burn glucose for energy. And when it's not present, can't do that. It's most commonly caused by alcohol misuse. So you see this at the end stage of alcoholism where somebody has been drinking a lot of alcohol daily or weekly at least for many years. Sad. There are other causes for this, malnutrition and some other kinds of things, usually around not having enough vitamin B1 in your diet. What about alcohol misuse causes this? Does it prevent your brain from processing the vitamin B1? So this is more complicated than I think we have time <laughs> All for. All right, sorry. I just get curious about things. And because I have random bits of knowledge, which is why I went on a tangent about aphasia. It's just, <laughs> it's my role on the podcast. I That's stir right. up trouble. I, I distract us from driving in a nice, you know, in our lane down the road that we've laid and paved so carefully. So this is related to how alcohol is processed in the body. So alcohol is essentially a poison. Yes. It has to be filtered out through the liver and kidneys. The liver. Yes. Yeah. And also diets that are consisting mainly of like white flour, white sugar, and highly processed carbohydrates cause 
thiamine deficiency. And if you think about what's in beers, I mean, that's a lot of carbohydrates uh, and highly processed at that. So So you're saying if you ate a ton of white bread, you could also cause this? If that was your only diet, yeah. It doesn't even have to be only. If you are eating a lot of processed foods, so think cereals for breakfast and white bread sandwiches for lunch and rice or pasta for dinners and this is the bulk of your diet well, we do a lot to kill ourselves this way yeah but I, I see cereals in, they add a lot of vitamins too though probably right. because of that so enriched cereals breads and noodles and rice are all actually high in b1 so they provide more of it. I imagine the the cereals that you reference, though, are probably higher in sugar as well. Because there's enriched cereals, but nobody eats them because they taste horrible. We eat the ones that are like super high in sugar because, duh, those are great. I don't know. I love oatmeal. I, I, got, I think that they probably add the vitamins to a lot of them to offset. I mean, I'm trying to see now. That being said, it's if you're looking at alcohol and then diets that also cause this deficiency, it's going to be processed sugars, yeah, cheaper processed food. Gotcha. Which would be interesting to research as far as Korsakoff syndrome is more prevalent in people who experience extreme poverty as well. And food deserts and stuff. Yeah, where the diet's going to be mostly super processed food. All right. We fell off the bridge. Okay. (laughs) Last one. That's what happens when the bridge ends. So the last one is called mixed dementia. And this is actually a better understanding of what's happening for a lot of folks who are having this cognitive decline. Lack of reasoning, poor judgment, difficulty with memory, word finding issues, that kind of stuff. This is usually identified in autopsy. So folks with dementia who have agreed to be autopsied, what they're discovering is there's a combination of Alzheimer's, the most prevalent diagnosis for these dementias, and vascular dementia that wasn't seen in life because it was covered by the Alzheimer's, and then the Lewy body dementia, the one that has a a different protein that is being misfolded. Fascinatingly enough, all of those things are happening for these people, so that's kind of hard. That makes sense though. I mean, it would, since presumably I'm going to go way, way, way out of my zone of knowledge here, but since a lot of this is later age onset, you're dealing with the natural falling apart of the human body. And it wouldn't really make sense if only one protein started malfunctioning. It makes Mm -hmm. a lot more sense that several of them are like, oh, these are all going bad at the same time, but they have similar symptoms. So you can't necessarily know until posthumously. Yep. I know a lot more about dementia than I did a minute ago. Are there, I feel like I've usually heard of stages of at least Alzheimer's. Are there stages to all of these? Are they kind of all at once? There are stages for most of them, except for Creutzfeldt-Jacob and the vascular dementia, both of which happen rather quickly. So there's not really a slow progression. The rest of them kind of have this gradual slide. And then Alzheimer's is defined in three. So you have early, middle, and late stage. And that's really rough for everyone because you start to watch that process. And since it's slow, it's really scary to watch a loved one's 
memory and mind slip away. Typically in the middle to late stage, more than family care is needed. This is when you're going to need to have an in-house aid or other types of aids available. What's really cool is they're starting to create really nice technology for being able to have an independent family member who is still experiencing some some of these symptoms as they progress. So they have door monitors that will send an alert if it's after a certain hour and the door opens. They have medication pill dispensers. So someone who's on medication but can't necessarily remember, did I take my medication? It's an automated dispenser, so it only dispenses once a day or once whenever. So there's a lot of really cool technology coming, but it's definitely still really scary and needs a lot of hand-on care as it progresses. From a... I'm going to pivot. Sorry, y'all. Here comes a (laughs) curveball. Fair warning. From a therapy standpoint, I feel like a lot of dementia in... I mean, in all stages, but especially in that early stage where you're perhaps still independent or mostly independent, it carries with it a lot of mental health complications, like increased anxiety, stress, paranoia, that kind of thing. Yes, you're absolutely right. In the early to middle stages, the anxiety and the suspiciousness building to the point of paranoia starts to appear because you can't remember where you put something. And your memory has been impaired enough that you can't walk through your steps. You know how we backtrack to go find something? Somebody experiencing dementia symptoms can't backtrack. So they get quite lost and they don't know how to fix being lost. This is the silver alerts that happen when somebody wanders away and they can't quite recognize where they are. They might even wander around the block. I've had a a few folks where that happened to them. They couldn't identify which of the houses on the block was, was theirs. What's interesting is some nursing homes have a bus station out front for individuals who are experiencing various forms of dementia and want to get away or go home. And -hmm. it's a bus stop that the on-campus bus goes to and then brings them back. If they do wander or can't, if nursing staff can't get them to come back in, they can go sit at the bus stop to wait for the bus, which Mm -hmm. I think is a really creative coping skill for something that many people experience because there is that fear of essentially waking up in a nursing home, not knowing where you are other than I'm not at home and wanting to escape or run away. I just think of how frightening it would be if you couldn't identify where you were, if you couldn't identify the people and you couldn't remember how you got to where you were. I, I would be terrified if I was in that situation. Yeah, I can't figure out where like... Yes, that would be terrifying. And Kim, I agree that that the bus station thing is a very creative way to approach helping to care for people in this way. And I know that monitoring is important. So like the door sensors and cameras and fall detection and all of that is is really important for caring for like elderly loved ones. But then I also can't help imagining it's like we were talking about gaslighting last time, like the bus stop is gaslighting them, but it's for their own good. I mean, I know it has good intent behind it and I, it sounds like it really helps, which is awesome. But also like you are tricking this person into thinking that they're okay. I just don't know. Totally. I haven't thought about it that much. I don't know where I land on that. We probably would have to know more about it and how the residents respond to it. Well, I would I just know. want it to have a lot of oversight. Yeah. 
So my experience with that when I was working at the care center that I used to work at was I had a client I had been sent to one of the facilities and I had a client who wanted to leave and was absolutely adamant we needed to leave. I needed to drive them. And I said, well, I don't have a car with me, but we can go get the bus. Mm-hmm. Come with me to the bus stop. Let's catch the bus together. And so in this case, there was oversight and Part of this as being a trained mental health person is I know let's not fight this because that's not going to get us anywhere except for a very agitated person who then might hurt themselves by accident. It's also harmful. Yeah. Right. So like in that case, there is oversight of I was with them when we went to the bus stop. And this was the faux bus. Yes. The faux bus. So you rode the faux bus with them around in a circle and then came back. Yes. It was very pleasant. (laughs) And it worked. They were contented. Yeah. So we talked about it and I asked, oh, tell me more about your home and where are we going? What are we going to see? Partly because I knew the furniture in their room at the facility came directly from their home. So it looked very much like their home would be. And so we walked back inside and I walked up to their room and I was like, oh, is this the chair that you were telling me about? Wow, this must be really comfortable. Why don't you take a seat? And it's leaning into the narrative that they're living because that makes them feel the most comfortable. Well, and helping cue whatever memories they do have. Which then I got Mm. to hear really interesting stories about their time on a research boat. And it was just so cool. And that's one of the other things about dementia is that long-term memory is often not impaired. Glenn Campbell, who we got the quote from at the beginning, was able to perform all the way through... I think it was late 2013 or early 2014, perform on stage with his band because all of the songs were familiar to him and he could do the songs. And that's another thing about dementia. It doesn't seem to affect music as much as it affects spoken language. There's no problem with that, but sometimes would come off the stage and not know where he was or not know what to do next. Yeah. There's a really awesome TikTok series about a woman with dementia and her caretaker will prompt her and be like, oh, can you play Moonlight Sonata? And the woman goes, no, I don't remember it. And then immediately plays it like absolutely perfectly. And just how amazing music is. And I've used that again while I was working with this particular group of playing songs and dancing and talking with them about What's the music that they like and bringing that back to life for them? It's really cool. Yes. So remember that the older I get. Duh. We're going to be listening to all sorts of music. We're going to pull out the Billy Joel and the Elton John and the Michael Jackson and the Indigo Girls. Don't forget Sapphire. Got Sapphire. And Delta Ray. Shout out to Delta Ray. We get to go to a concert of theirs in December. (laughs) I'm wearing a Delta Ray t-shirt. I don't know about y'all, but I learned a lot about dementia today. For instance, that Alzheimer's is a type of dementia and not, I don't know, something else. We didn't get to it this time, but in the next arc, we're planning to talk about caring for loved ones suffering from dementia and other conditions that require caregiving. We're nearly done with our arc on intelligence. We'll be wrapping it up next week by talking about kinds of neurodivergence. Fun fact, Kim and I are both epileptic, which is a form of neurodivergence. So until then, enjoy the drive. Thank you for listening to The Relationship Road Trip. We hope you enjoyed the episode and we want to know what you think. So write to us at questions at afpsych.com. You can also support the show by rating and reviewing us on iTunes or subscribing with your favorite podcast app. 
You can find more episodes of the show at relationshiproadtrip.com or wherever you download podcasts. The Relationship Road Trip comes out every Wednesday at 7 a.m., so don't forget to tune in next week. The Relationship Road Trip is brought to you by Azevedo Family Psychology, where they are dedicated to helping you create a life worth celebrating. You can learn more about their services at azevedofamilypsychology.com. This podcast is produced by Bear Cave Audio. Bear Cave Audio provides a range of audio services from original composition to podcast recording and editing. To learn more, go to bearcaveaudio.com or email ben at bearcaveaudio.com. Until we meet again, may the road rise up to meet you. May the wind be always at your back and may the sun shine warm upon your face. Thank you.